Hello, dear friends on the internet. Oh, we're friends on the internet. We're, we're friends in real life, Thomas. Oh, oh yes, I can see you're not you're not pixels. You're a you're a human being stood right in front of me in very very high definition. You see, these days it can be hard to tell. With all the millennials on their phones. One can't really be, be sure that the person standing right in front of them is not an internet. If you do see an internet on the street, report them to the police. A special task force has been arranged by Theresa May herself to hunt down every internet and make sure that it doesn't wee on anyone. We need you to start hunting down internets right now. Become an internet watchdog. Phone 073-294-99944 All the fours. This deleted scenes is brought to you by public service announcement paid for by the Conservative Party. <laughs> Hello. 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 We uh, we lost a bit of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's a good place to start. <laughs> we, it, it eluded us. Yeah. With a really good podcast recorded um, by and with uh, Adam Owen, mm-hmm. our wonderful guest for this week, and um, just didn't on on my end just didn't record. So yeah, uh, we have. Some like we've got about half an hour of all three of us. Yeah, and then the 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 other two hours of recorded footage is all just Tom and Adam. Yeah, Tom and uh, Tom and Adam mixed with some really awkward un unwanted silences. Really. <laughs> sort of out of the blue, just like oh, we'll stop talking for, <laughs> for a few seconds, and then oh, we'll laugh. And then start talking about something that hasn't been said. And if you're familiar with how much I talk on the podcast... <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it was an episode that you didn't do much talking. Yeah, I was. I, I wanted to try and step off a little bit. So, it, I, I still listen to it back and it does feel like a very weird art piece. An art piece where one person just isn't... Isn't available. Mm. Just like one person is, or it's leaving space for you to answer. Maybe we should release it as a sort of three-way conversation between you, Adam, and and the listener. I will, um, I will put it so that Adam's in one ear, I'm in the other, <laughs> and then it's like a sort of interactive virtual reality experience where you are Matt. Yeah, you, you can be like me. being Matt. And actually, if you, if you record your own dialogue into those segments, <laughs> try to piece together what the pitch was, and if you get it right, if you get what happens right, you'll win a t-shirt. The, uh, this is this is not just a podcast for pitching films, but also virtual reality experience. <laughs> I tell you that was it. That would be great if we did run a if we, we we run a competition where you could record yourself into the podcast. <laughs> we should just record reactions like ha ha ha, great point, listener. <laughs> We'll, we'll give you a soundboard <laughs> if you want to record your own movie pitch with us coming in with different like, oh, and then he's played by Johnny Depp. Uh, oh, I hate women. That's, yeah. that's my impression of Johnny Depp. <laughs> should we do it? Should we just pitch? pitch? Should we do it for them? What? Should we write The Last Jedi again? <laughs> I don't think it needs remaking, personally. No? Well, yeah, but they've raised what six million dollars of people no. of people definitely telling them that they are definitely going to give them definitely this money. They haven't. I think they've raised more than the budget for Solo. Listeners, we're talking about the um, the uh, the 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 campaign to remake um, Star Wars: uh, The Last Jedi. If you, if you haven't heard of this, uh, don't. Follow it on Twitter. <laughs> so much. It is the most pathetic thing that has ever taken place. Yeah, I, I mean, 
go on the Twitter page because it's if you want if you want a laugh, it's a romp. If you want a sort of office style cringe laugh, yeah, then go. To... They have a they have a declaration of independence. Shall we read it out? Um, do you want to read it out? Should I do a dramatic reading of it? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll bring it up on my phone. I can't, I can't fucking see it on yours. Yeah. Um, ready? Yeah, yeah. Um, do you have it? I don't have it now. Okay, I'll, should I, I can pass it back and forth if you want. Yeah, yeah. We, the fans of Star Wars, it says at the top, with a, with a nice kind of semi-Rebel Alliance uh, thing there. Mm-hmm. Do this day send forth this declaration to the president of Lucasfilm, Kathleen Kennedy, and to all people in the world to make clear to all the purposes and goals of this rebellion. Now, that is a direct reference to the actual declaration, declaration of rebellion. <laughs> wow. There's, there's, a, there's an official declaration of rebellion that mm. they actually, in, in canon, they... In Star Wars. In Star Wars. Not yeah. the actual declaration of independence. No, no, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um... I love how it names Kathleen Kennedy. Yeah. Well, it says it says the oh. emperor, I think, uh, in the in the original one. Let me uh, <laughs> declaration of rebellion. I, this, is a, this is a weird bit because the 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 official de- declaration of rebellion, the mm. one from Wikipedia, mm. the real one, says we the beings of the rebel rebel alliance do this day send forth. Uh, this declaration to His Majesty the Emperor and to all sentient beings in the galaxy to make clear to all the purposes and goals of this rebellion. Um, we firmly acknowledge the importance and necessity of institution of galactic government, etc. So this is this is literally aping that completely. Mm. So we the star we the fans of Star Wars do this day send forth the declaration of uh, to the president of Lucasfilm Kathleen Kennedy and to all people uh, in the world to make clear to all the purposes and goals of this rebellion. We firmly acknowledge the importance and necessity of the the control of the franchise being at the hands of one person. We accept that for a contiguous, non-contradictory continuity to be established, much of the old must be done away with uh, to make way for the new, so that we can enjoy this universe without questioning how something makes sense. We believe that those in charge of the franchise derives its power this is a strange use of derives, mm. like do derive. I don't know. Um, it's like a singular mm. derive their power, I guess. But we believe that those in charge of a franchise derives its power as a creative force from the consent of the fandom of that franchise. We believe that should fans, lifelong fans especially, be purposefully shunned, insulted, and tossed aside by those at the head of the franchise, it is the unalienable right of said fans to boycott or force change in such leadership. We believe that Lucasfilm has willfully and malignantly discarded the fans in the sole pursuit of a misguided political agenda and therefore it is our unalienable right to refuse to fund the franchise and call on Disney to change those who are in charge of Lucasfilm. What do you think so far? Salient point? Uh, no, not really. <laughs> okay. Well, th- you'll love this bit then, because that, that, that was their bomb, yeah. right? We do not take this course lightly. <laughs> They're going to march on <laughs> Disney World. <laughs> What's the Disney equivalent to Washington? <laughs> It's just, I love the fact that they're like, we do not take this course lightly, because like, they've whipped themselves up into such a frenzy about this. Mm. They're not just tired like the rest of us. Well, that's the thing. Like, I think what Lucasfilm should have done, Lucasfilm and Disney should have done, is purely just ignore all this criticism that has been given from these people. Yeah. Because th- that's where this has come from. Yeah. Like, the, like um, they mentioned uh, that they've been tossed aside. Yeah. I think that's in a direct reference to Kathleen Kennedy, Ryan Johnson, and other members of the Last Jedi, Star Wars, Disney, all just say, all just sort of dismissing them as man babies. Right? They are. Well, they are. Yeah, <laughs> doy. <laughs> but, but calling out an actual company calling out people for being man babies is quite unprofessional. Like I mean, it's very improv. It's very yeah. sort of like 
If your only right, if your only goal was to yeah like hedge your bets and try and get these people into the cinema, yeah, then fine. Yeah, but yeah. actually, like the 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 kind of causal function of this thing is like they called these people out for being man babies, yeah, and then the man babies continued to be man babies, yeah, yeah, yeah. just as vocally as they ever were. Yeah, yeah, no, even more so because I I think just as vocally. I think that they would have they would have gone this way had the next one come out or well, had the, this the one fact come that out. the last Jedi is still being talked about <laughs> six months after. I think it's good. It, it's like I mean it is a, like the more I look at it the more the more I look at it now is like. Oh yeah, no, Disney made a very good call to keep, just keep stoking the fire. <laughs> yeah, they keep, people keep talking about it. Yeah. And also, like, Disney, the, Ryan Johnson made a good film. Yeah. He made a good film, and the first thing that came, that happened was people were like, this is weird, feels strange, feels too silly, mm. whatever. The more you, like, look at that film, you look deep into the heart of that film, the more you're like, it just sort of is a good film, though. It is just a good, enjoy uh, enjoyable time. I think the more I look into it, the more bored I get. Well, yeah, because you keep seeing it over and over again. Yeah, I know. I, I just keep watching it and just like, I don't get why this is good. That happened to me in, in with, with the original trilogy. The more I watched it, yeah. the, the less I wanted to watch it. That's just yeah. how it goes with films. Yeah, that's just how it goes with stories. <laughs> yeah. uh, like, you read Harry Potter 500 times, you're going to be bored. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep reading this. Yeah. We do not take this course lightly. Franchises long since established should not be changed for slight or transient causes. But when those helming a franchise display a history of callous disrespect for said franchise, its long and storied history, and its massive fan base, displaying a clear design to subjugate totally and absolutely the characters we have come to know and have so and, and love solely to push a social narrative, it is our right. Our duty. What to depose what social, right. of that leadership? What social narrative was being pushed by Luke Skywalker being a dick in the Last Jedi? Oh no! <laughs> oh, they go on to they go on to clarify. All oh, right, okay. Don't worry, I, I, I read okay, this. I probably before. should have waited for that. I was <laughs> just like, wait, hang on. The characters you know and love, Luke Skywalker is the only one that's kind of. I mean, there is a long paragraph coming up with with some of their specific. Oh, wow. <laughs> The short history of uh, of the current leadership of Lucasfilm is that of continued grievous offences and insults against all consumers who have been fans of the franchise for any period of time before it was published, uh, purchased by Disney. Hmm. You have disrespected the characters of the original trilogy, treating them as mere tools and stepping stones for the new characters rather than the heroes they actually are. You have used your new characters as toys and tools to push an agenda of masculine inferiority. <laughs> you have lied to George Lucas when you told him that the legacy characters would be protected and make sure that they would continue to live in the way that he had created them. You have lied to George Lucas when you said you wanted to do something for the fans and now fully re reneged upon that promise, telling Mark Hamill that your stories you wanted to tell matter more than the fans. You have given the core trinity of, of characters. I wish they'd gone on to do another You Have Lied to George Lucas. <laughs> the I'll rule be honest. Of three. Yeah, they've broken the rule of three here. You have given the core trinity of characters from the original trilogy terrible send-offs. Luke Skywalker dying as, as a sour old man who couldn't be bothered to co-help his sister in person or mourn the loss of his best friend. Full stop. Han Solo dying by the blade of his own son in a move that ultimately had zero impact on his psychological state moving forward. Leia flying back to the Raddus in a comedic scene that reminds one of Mary Poppins, and will shamefully forever be how Carrie Fisher's last outing in film will be remembered. <laughs> to be honest, I wanted to quote the importance of being earnest in that one. But <laughs> it reminds one of the greatest excesses of the French Revolution. <laughs> I do agree with that last statement, though. The, the flying scene was the point where I was like, why? <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah. Right, a room, a room full of people who had editorial control <laughs> watched that film and went, "There's nothing wrong with it." Yeah, it could it could definitely be more dynamic than it was. Yeah, it's so jarring. I had no problem with that scene itself. 
uh, like mechanically, you yeah. know, in the actual story, because it was a cool reveal for Ole has got got force powers, right? Mm. But the scene itself, the way it's shot, the way it it is a bit jarring. You're right. Yeah. You're right. You're right. It's just so like uh, overuse of CG. I hate. Yeah, uh, and that just took it way too far <laughs> for me. I I think. I was on board until then. Yeah. I mean, I was sort of like, where is this going? And you've then... got to you've got to think if Carrie Fisher hadn't died after filming it. Yeah. Um would they have that scene in? That scene in? Yeah. Because that is to bait you, right? That's to bait you to go like, oh, is this where Carrie? Is this where they yeah. get rid of Leia? And then she gets back on and then she continues to do the rest of the film and she's still not dead. Mm. <laughs> like yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I would have. I mean, you could probably still cut around it if you wanted mm. to make a, a less jarring version of the Last Jedi. Here's the bit you, uh, you you'll agree with, Tom. Yeah. I hate women. No. Um, <laughs> you have shamelessly attacked anyone who voiced a negative opinion, calling them racists, sexists, misogynists. Telling them that they must have a problem with strong women, telling them that they only oh, that only overweight white males and members of the alt right dislike the direction you are taking the franchise. You have refused to acknowledge my. Oh, sorry, this, this is in tiny, tiny text. So I thought it said my complaints in this for a second. I was just like, this guy's tipped his hand finally. <laughs> you have refused to acknowledge any complaints as legitimate from the fans and do not even recognize that people who are not male or are not Caucasian dislike your modus operandi as well. We, the fans of Star Wars... We're winding down now, listen, don't worry. Mm. We, the fans of Star Wars, do therefore in the name and by the authority of the free market of the world solemnly publish and declare our intentions to fight and oppose you and your socio-political ideals by any and all means at our disposal. To refuse any degree from Lucasfilm as to what we should like... That is contrary to the right of opinion. To bring about your destruction and the destruction of your career in anything related to filmography. To forever restore the true characterizations of these beings in a galaxy far, far away. To these ends we pledge our merchandise, our honour and our wallets. That's in bold at the end, to these ends. And our wallets. Right. Our merchandise. Oh, God. It's so weird. It's so lame. It's so... Really badly written as well. Yeah. Really, like, uh, they put capitals in fucking weird places. <laughs> like, uh, to all is used... Uh, to all and in the world is used, like, basically as a bullet point, like, or, or as a comma. Yeah. Um, like, as an intensifier very, very frequently. <sighs> it's so lame. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, like, I agree that the film, like, in my opinion, the film wasn't great. However, I am starting to look at the big picture now and think, like, maybe The Last Jedi will go down in history as the best Star Wars film. I, right, like, I don't... And again, I, I don't think... Wanna, I, I, I take on board all the criticisms that you have with yeah. it. I love it the yeah, best. Yeah, yeah. I love it the best. Then again, I think we'll we'll have to wait until episode nine comes out because that's yeah. when people really enjoyed Empire again. Yeah. Because. But that's the problem. If 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 it comes down to like oh uh, you know J J Abrams is doing this last one right. Yes. So if it comes down to like he doesn't like what. Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson's did. done. This is why because like the original trilogy. Yeah. I mean, Lucas had to go and make different uh, edits to his original story. Yeah. But there was only one Death Star in the original plan for yeah. Star Wars. Yeah. Which is why, like, oh, why make a new Death Star again? Well, we ran out of ideas, clearly. It was, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was just like a case And J.J. Abrams is not the man you give things to do to, 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 to round them out, yeah. to finish them. Yeah, exactly. Like, and the fact that this, this trilogy was started... By started with JJ Abrams panicking and going, ah, well, here's a lot of shit. Uh, <laughs> like, here's a lot of shit. 
coupled in a very familiar setting <laughs> and a very familiar story. Here's a lot of line. mysteries that we haven't quite finished. We haven't quite finished solving yet. Yeah, you're like well, I, I think that my favourite bit of Force Awakens is the dream sequence. We've talked about that yeah. loads of times before, and it's like it's my favourite bit because it's so vague and yeah. leaves you just wanting to find out where that yeah. was going. And I think The Last Jedi just sort of went, it's not really going anywhere. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Yeah. And I was like, all right, well, okay. Uh, <laughs> like... I mean, here's the thing, like... <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess Last Jedi is is being given the bearer is is being given the the, the mantle of the bearer of bad news. JJ's done it again. Yeah, like yeah. he's he's asked questions he, he's not prepared to answer. Well, he was he was asking questions that Ryan Johnson wasn't prepared to answer or didn't care about. I mean, is, like, which is the weird thing. I think if you write a question, you yeah. should yeah, know yeah. the answer yeah. before you... Like, talk to Ryan Johnson. <laughs> but again, this is the this is the problem with having to write and direct the films as they come and not as a whole. Yeah. Because the end of The Last Jedi felt like the end of a trilogy in some ways. It felt like the end of a story. Mm. It didn't feel like there's more to come. Like, like... No, Again, I think comparing I, it to Empire is bad. I think. But what's the next one called? We know. No, no, don't think so. Um, I think the next one will conclude stories, just not the ones that it'll conclude the ones that were set up in that dream sequence. Yeah. Right. Or, or indeed, that have been set up for the rest of the films. And stuff that is, is is made in that film, hmm. it will not conclude your fucking fave Luke theory. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it's not gonna be Luke's story in the last. No, no. In in a trilogy about like new characters. New characters. It's not gonna be about the yeah. old ones. Yeah. And like I I get that. And like to be honest, I don't think Luke should have been in it that much, uh, as much as he was. To be honest. Yeah, he should have been way- a Yodri do. Although, yeah. like, having him be the Desic Machina was, is fine, I think. Mm. You know? I think that gives him a good send-off. I, I actually thought that gave him a really good send-off. Mm. Yeah, well, like, again, like, I had no problems with... I had problems with some of the story, but... Like, on the whole, I felt... I thought, yeah, again, because I, I, I came out of it feeling very similar to, I did, to what I did with uh, Infinity War. Right. But Infinity War left it on a cliffhanger... Yeah. So I knew there was more to come. Well, you Last Jedi it, yeah. has a very, very happy ending. Yeah, it's, it's definite. It's, got, it's full of hope. Yeah. Although they did tread on that a little too hard. Yeah. And um, again, I, I thought it was like... Uh, and there's just a, there's a little bit of prequel in that, isn't there? There's a yeah. little bit of Phantom Menace in that last bit of like hope. Mm, you know, yeah. with the kid and uh, and all that stuff. Um, um, which, you know, Phantom Menace is the best prequel, so... Yeah. Um, uh, and again, I, I think um, quite a lot of criticism comes to misunderstanding, mis- misinterpreting the text. Mm. Um, like, there's quite a lot of... Cause I was watching a video essay on the prequels the other day, yeah. and someone was saying, oh, this is not... Like, I mean, the... the cheesy jokes the clunky as hell dialogue yeah all comes from uh harkening back to sort of 1930s serials this is the point this guy made was like 70s the the old trilogy is very very 70s camp yeah in the way it's like because i mean like the the jokes and stuff are all jokes and stuff and all the again the the dialogue things like if you if you look at some of the scenes in the original trilogy, they're not hard gritty scenes. They are very very campy, very soapy. Yeah, um, and it's the same with the prequels as well. And the prequels going for a very very high fantasy sci fi setting rather than the down and gritty ones of the original series. And it said, "All oh, right, well, this is seventies camp. Yeah, the originals are thirties, forties camp. Yeah, and the new ones are how we interpret camp now. Now, yeah, yeah. that 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 yeah. felt it, you just described mm. the Last Jedi to me. Yeah, how we how we interpret camp now yeah. is is actually 
superhero movie jokes. Um, mm. Like that is that is now camp. Yeah, but it's weird because some of the jokes in the Last Jedi, yeah, felt uh, very removed from the text. Like there's a I have a problem with one joke in sp- specifically. Yeah. And that's about General Hux's mother. That one. I don't understand why not. It completely ripped me from the film. Really? I was like, yeah, no, it was. And I've been thinking about it so hard. Because I've, I've, I think you've mentioned this before, mm. and I've thought about that since. And I'm just like, I think it just kind of makes sense for other cultures to yeah, have like, mother jokes. Yeah, yeah, but in in the past, the jokes and and what makes a joke work well. Uh, in films such as this is when the jokes are purely relationship between those characters based. Sure. So um, uh, there's there's a scene in A New Hope where Han Solo's chatting with a guy over a communicator and it's like, we're fine, we're all fine here now. How are you? (laughs) Like, and you could see the sort of like, oh crap, what situation are we... Like, yeah. the joke comes from that. And I think Solo got it quite good as well with the jokes are based on those characters' relationship. The, the jokes are very I don't know now. what I don't know what, what's bringing in from the outside the Hux's mother thing is. The mother. Well, what, Hux doesn't have a mother? Well, no, no, but it's, <laughs> like, not, it's not a joke. I mean, it is a joke at his expense, but it's also bringing in... A character that we don't really. Well, give the, a shit the, about. the point is it's characterization of mm. um, what's his name? Uh, the guy's making the joke. Uh, you know the guy. Oscar Isaacs. Yeah, Oscar Isaacs. Poe Dameron. Poe Dameron. It's, it's, it's characterizing <laughs> Poe Dameron, who we do know, yeah. but not well, mm. as uh, kind of juvenile. Mm. Right. It's it's there to. It doesn't take our perception of. Um, uh, like mother joke, your mother jokes really yeah. in our world. But what it does do is like because everyone, it's universal that mm. right. It, it's it's yeah, it, it's it's universal, but also and because it's set in context to it, yeah, um, in context to him being like okay, this is an official communication. Yeah, he's speaking oh like from one to the other. Mm. This is supposed to be the most important thing that people say to each other on shit on a ship. Mm. And then he does that. It is like a kid who gets hold of a phone. Mm. Like he, it's characterizing him as juvenile. Mm. And you, you're supposed to go like, "That's not the wittiest thing in the world," because it isn't. Yeah. yeah. No. Um, like you're not supposed to go like, "Oh, that was the best writing." Oh, sorry, that, that was the best joke that this place, that this thing had to give. Because it's mm. not the writer's joke. It's Poe Dameron's joke. Yeah. But then again, like it is. It does come before a scene where loads of people die and it's played for <laughs> drama it's not played for laughs it's really jarring those open like i have a pro i like from the start of that movie yeah because there are scenes later on that i fucking love like the scenes where um ray and uh i'm forgetting the kylo. name kylo kylo uh the only person she speaks to apart from luke yeah uh, the they're communicating um, through the force and it it gets better yeah. like it, it escalates and at the end they touch hands and then Luke comes in and it's like it feels very fantasy sort yeah. of like what have you done kind of yeah, yeah. Kind of thing. I love it feels mysterious scenes. it feels like a mysterious magical thing that no, not, nobody understands perfectly yeah and it's it's great yeah. it's really really good and like the cinematography yeah. how it's it's shot and how it's all edited so like you can't really tell if they're actually looking at each other yeah. or if like she stood there and he's actually really there or yeah, yeah it's it's incredible what they've done with that and I love like that's a new thing they've brought to Star Wars and the force sort of thing communication but when you start a film off <laughs> with jokes followed by complete annihilation <laughs> with like with a proper like very dramatic over the top score with Rosa's sister dying. But this is this in is what, battle this is what I mean is that um, yes, we do laugh at that joke, mm. but it isn't supposed to be a writer's joke for us. It's supposed to be how Poe is approaching this scenario. Yeah, and 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 throughout the film, mm. his his approach to the scenario is shown to be shitty. Mm. 
but it feels like at that point in the film it feels like um that is a writer's joke for us you know what i mean yeah, and I think I probably, I probably the first time I saw it, I probably uh, assessed it as that. I yeah. don't think it is that anymore, having seen it again. Mm. But I think, like, yeah, I, I, I think I probably assessed it as that because it is, it is a little maybe early in the film. The mm. tone hasn't been set. That and I don't, I don't agree with the setting of the film as well in terms of time, uh, because it does come directly after the end of Force Awakens. Yeah. Um, where, like, um, Poe and Finn, yeah, have only met each other twice. They yes. have not got, like, from what we've seen on screen, their relationship is not one of, like, trusting friends. Because at this point, right. All Poe has seen of Finn is he is, um, <laughs> right, if I was Poe at this point, I'd be like, Finn is definitely a spy. <laughs> <laughs> He's the one who helped me escape. He was an ex stormtrooper who helped me escape from, um, uh, a, de- a Star Destroyer. Yeah. I didn't see him again. For another two days. After we after we crashed. Yeah, after we crashed, I thought he was dead. He is now in the rebel base. He brought me back my my, my jacket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now I am trusting like Well then... no, because cause BB eight was with him the whole time as well. Remember? Yeah. And BB eight is is Poe's like trusted friend. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't go as far as to say right. I don't trust the people uh, who's giving the orders now. Yeah. My friend, <laughs> who I've known for two days, was a stormtrooper. Do you want to go on a super secret mission that could leave the rebellion? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It, like, because I do we've think... had two years yeah, yeah, but to haven't. sort of digest that relationship. Yeah. They, they have not, yeah. because he's unconscious at the beginning of... The Last Jedi, and it it like again. I was very very I think sort of like ah! someone saving your life though, like is is a big deal. Um, maybe not like the, that big a deal, but big enough. Yeah, but I mean, you, like, I, I can't believe there isn't a thing of like Finn might be a spy. I mean, it's super obvious that is he it, is. there's a bit of fridge logic to that. I think. Yeah. It's like it works totally in the film mm. and between the films. Yeah. But it when you, you really when you go away, it's yeah. like oh, that is weird. Yeah, it is weird that. I mean, because in again, Empire is a great middle. Uh, well, with with middle chapters. Yeah. You look at um, uh, Empire. Yeah. You look at um, Hunger Games Catching Fire. Yeah. Uh, a terrible, terrible movie. But the same still applies. Um, I'm trying to think of other middle chapters, um, like, in trilogies. Back to the Future 2. If- Actually, no, Back to the Future 2 starts right at the end of number one, doesn't it? Mm. But, because there's no... No relationships are formed during yeah. Back to the Future. Everyone, well, Doc and Marty know each other. Sure already, yeah. Um, but with uh, Empire Strikes Back, it starts a undetermined amount of time after A New Hope. It's so strange that Doc and Marty know each other. <laughs> yeah, it's really weird, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> like, imagine if they didn't, mm. right? Because then you'd have the issue of... Because it's never explained how they know each other, really, is it? No. Imagine, like, if Doc and Marty didn't know each other at the start, mm. he goes back in time, goes to see the most sciencey boy he knows, yeah. <laughs> makes friends with him, yeah. goes back to the future, <laughs> didn't never, ne- yeah. ne- <laughs> just like he's like, you're my friend from <laughs> from the, the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude. I mean. 
That's a weird one. I've never really thought about Dr. Marty not... Like, I've, I've been like... I've always thought... Well, of course they know it. each other because he gets him in his car. Yeah, like, yeah, the, the, yeah. The, the, the machine to take him back to uh, the, the, the past is. Is. It is a weird thing, and I've, I've often said, if you pitch Back to the Future now, the first question on, like, any executive's mind would be like, why is an old man... It would have, an to, unrelated be, it would have man, to be granddad, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, it would have yeah. to be a granddad thing now. Because, yeah. like, an old man who no one in the town likes... Yeah. <laughs> like, people come out and say, like, don't hang around with this old man. Yep. Is hanging out with... He's weird. With a little, like... With a teen boy. Underaged boy. Yep. Um, <laughs> and they're just doing science together. It's it's not questioned. <laughs> and that's why I love Back to the Future so much, because it's just not questioned. Speaking of relationships between adults and children that we're not sure what the nature of them are. Yeah. I'm looking forward to uh, the house with the clock in its walls. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant trailer. Yeah, really brilliant good. looking film. It looks like a super goosebumps. Yeah, <laughs> like but... it, it looks like a, a weird like uh, steampunk, but also it... adventure fantasy. It looks like if who's directing it? No, Do we idea. know because it, it it's got Amblin. Oh, it's Amblin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it it, it looks know. like if Spielberg made a Tim Burton movie. Yeah, um, like a. a a recent Tim Burton movie. Sure, yeah. yeah. It's, it's almost a Jumanji style, isn't it? Mm. Um, then, uh, like, yeah, like, but, but I don't know what the deal is, what what the relationship is supposed to be between Jack Black, that old woman, and that one child, who, like, I don't know what they're, like, mm. the three of them. Why, why don't we see any of the characters, except for a doll's face, mm. and also, yeah, who are these people? Mm. It's, it's not been explained yet, so... I'm looking forward to finding that out. Um, also, uh, characters, I don't know who, who they are or what their purpose is from the trailers. Mm. Um, I mean, it, the trailer is just a selection of things that happen in the film. Yeah. I, I think, I don't really like films like that. I mean, it does look incredible. Yeah. And the sets they've built are do, look fantastic. Yeah. I don't like CG tentacles. Yeah. Tentacles for that me. That one was a little kitschy. Tentacles and sort of CG magic and stuff like that. If not done, if done sort of as like a background thing. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to explain this quite you're well. You're trying to see. You're trying to say that if it's if it's supposed to be a thrill ride, like a light show. Yeah. Then you're not going to enjoy it. But if it's yeah. if it's used for something, then yeah. It like fair. and it looks very much like oh this thing's a CG thing. I was like, well just. Make it, yeah. and then we'll be amazed. Well, again, it's, a, it's, a, it's a it's a um, kids. It's a book. Um, yeah. it was originally a book. So um, presumably, they just the book is about something, mm. and the, the, depending on what the book's about, I haven't read it. Obviously, mm. um, depending on what the book's about, whether it's about you know an interesting concept or whether it's about like just a, a menagerie of cool um, visuals, mm. then we'll never know. Like for instance, did you ever read Beyond the Deep Wood? Um, it's like uh, it's Edge Chronicles. It's this, it's this like sort of sky pirates and stuff mm. set, set on a world with um, that's uh, all all on this massive overhanging cliff. It's really interesting. A really interesting uh, uh, world. Um, but like that, the whole all the books were built around like the writer had had amazing ideas for monsters and societies and stuff mm. that when he described them and did little uh, illustrations were amazing mm. but if you actually put that into a film they the, it would be a visual film yeah it'd be a very visual film uh, very uh laid back i really want to talk about the film we pitched Right. Okay. On, uh, unspeakable goings on. Okay. Unspeakable goings on. Because uh, I really enjoyed it. Well, describe it. Describe it to the listeners. The listeners. Uh, for the listeners, unspeakable goings on. I think we started with a sort of. This sounds very Lovecraft. Uh, goings on. Yeah. Being un- unspeakable. The idea that you can't mm. you can't talk about it. It sounds Lovecraft. But goings on sounded very sort of like uh, intriguey. Not not intriguey. Uh, like um, gossipy. Yeah. Right. So, the idea we came up with was H.P. Lovecraft is a kind of... I can't... Um, he, was a, he was a Pinkerton detective. Yeah. Think, and also writer. Yeah, like... Or one hasn't of the, been a writer yet. One of those detectives who also write their own novels yeah, yeah, yeah. about the detective work that they do. Yeah. So, for H.P. Lovecraft, we cast Will Smith. Yeah, we did. And we made it into a 90s... Buddy um, comedy with Owen Wilson. Yeah, 
where at one point they run down a lighthouse and fall into a barrel of hay. Barrel of hay, yeah. yeah which... and, and presumably one or the other goes into some horse poo. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, uh, Will Smith was constantly getting covered in fish man Oh, yeah. And, and, and going, oh, hell no. Nah. Yeah, yeah, they did that a lot. Um, it was fine. Yeah. 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 Uh, it was... Um, imagine the Dunwich, Dunwich Horror, but in a community, a seaside community with fish people. Yeah. Imagine if a H.P. Lovecraft novel was adapted in the same way. It will adapted by the director of Wild Wild West. Um, imagine it was adapted by the uh, by was it Danny Boyle who made Sherlock Holmes? No, um, Guy Ritchie. Guy Ritchie. Danny Boyle. Danny Boyle's a good director. Um, so is Guy Ritchie. I mean, if, not if you say recently, so. but yeah. If you say so, Tom. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, uh, it's if Guy Ritchie had, had, had in, was in the 90s had decided he was doing a buddy comedy about oh, H.P. Lovecraft. Lovecraft. Which is, oh, I want to see it so much. <laughs> I want someone to misinterpret the works of H.P. Lovecraft so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was pretty good. Um, and because he's still, like, because Will Smith started off so laid back. And, you know, it's Will Smith, so not racist. Yeah. Um, and, and, then, and then as it goes on. <laughs> It was like this weird. We had him getting more uptight slightly <laughs> as he started getting covered in more goop. Yeah, and then uh, at the end, <laughs> like it was a prequel. Uh, Will Smith um, was really uptight, but he had a he had a sidekick that was Owen Wilson that, that, that we could go on more adventures. Yeah, but but uh, Owen Wilson had said, "Please, please don't tell anyone about this. <laughs> uh, uh, please don't tell anyone about this." And and um, H.P. Lovecraft was like. I won't say a word as he <laughs> as he writes turns down to, turns to his typewriter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, just just the idea. Yeah, we just want you to be as frustrated as we are that there's yeah. no recording of that. I yeah. know. Yeah, that's 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 what you missed <laughs> for not being at my house <laughs> that time. That time. <laughs> and speaking of uh, Lovecraft, yeah, I went to Liverpool the other day. Yeah, uh, Liverpool being the birthplace of the Beatles. I thought you were going to say H.P. Lovecraft. I was like, I'm not sure that's true. <laughs> no, uh, the Beatles. Yeah. Uh, and went down Penny Lane. Yep. Um, and started singing... I thought... You know what? I thought Penny Lane wasn't in Liverpool. Yeah, it is, yeah. Well, I mean... I thought it was in in my ears and in my mind. Yeah. Well, I'm going to get to that. Yeah. <laughs> because I was going through the the lyrics to Penny Lane. Yeah, I don't know any of them. Yeah. Um, well, let's look them up, shall we? Something uh, blah 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 blah. The photograph. Penny Lane. There is a barber showing photographs of every head he's had the pleasure to know, and all the people they come and go, stop and say hello. On the corner is a bank of a motor car. And little children laugh at him behind his back. And the banker never was a, never wears a Mac in the pouring rain. Very strange. This is the line that stuck. This next line is the line that stuck out to me as I was like, right, okay, this is a really creepy song. Uh, Penny Lane is in my ears and in my eyes. Imagine screaming that. <laughs> the walls are wrong! The walls! And then I, I just got this idea. I was, I'm going to pitch a film called Penny Lane. Because, like, Liverpool has got very sort of... Um, like, lyrical places. Right. Like, Lime Street. Yeah. You know, like, sort of like... Diddling. Like, every sort of place I hear about in Liverpool sort of goes... Diddling. Like this is the nice. Although in Sheffield we have an Orange Street, it's it's not it's not the same. Well, it is a lyrical song. It is a lyrical place. I, I guess, but oh no, I'll keep on running. I'll never get to Orange Street. It's madness. Anyway, <laughs> the um, I was gonna, I was, I was like, when I came across the fact that Sheffield has an Orange Street, right? Mm. I was like, of course, Suggs. You're never going to get to Warren Street. Uh. It, you're in London. 
<laughs> exactly. You're going to be running a long time before you get to Orange Street. Mm. But... Take a train. Right, so... Cheapskate. My sort of original starting point for this Lovecraftian yeah. suburban horror movie called Penny Lane yeah. is... Penny Lane is in my ears and in my eyes. Okay. Yeah, and I, I, I'm thinking we interpret the song because it's very um what's the term uh like weird suburbia yeah uh what's the was it you're in my my ears and in my eyes what's the next lines uh there beneath the blue suburban skies i sit and meanwhile back in penny lane there's a there is a fireman and meanwhile back in penny lane there is a fire with an hourglass there's a fireman with an hourglass, and his pocket is a portrait of the Queen. He likes to keep his fire engine clean. It's a clean machine. It's all very, like... And in his pocket is a portrait of the Queen. Yeah, it's very sort of, like, tries to paint a, a picture of... Mm. Yeah. Um, so, the, there is a lot of disturbing imagery in there, if you really look at it. Yeah. Why has this fireman got an hourglass? Yeah. The question is, <laughs> is he waiting an hour for a, for for a the fire? Next fire? Yeah. Does he know when the next fire he has to cause the next fire? Yeah. Um, secondly, I'm, I'm, I'm in- interested in this banker mm. not wearing a Mac in the pouring rain. Yeah. Right? Very strange. The children, obviously not affected by whatever's happening to Penny Lane, mm. right? They still find it weird, but no one else does. Yeah. No, no, they're, they're laughing at him. Yeah, exactly. The children find it weird. They're laughing at this banker behind his back because mm. they're like it's weird how people around here don't wear, wear a mac in the pouring rain yeah. that tells me that either they don't feel the rain they like the rain mm. they like the water maybe they're fish people or or um, that whatever's affecting them like the colour out of space by H.P. Lovecraft mm. might be in the rain or it is uh, maybe the, the clear the, the blue suburban skies yeah raining down on them yeah but Wait a minute. They're talking about clear suburban, blue suburban skies. Mm-hmm. Why is it talking about it, it being in the pouring re- rain? At the same time. More questions than answers here. Yeah. Pain is in my ears and in my eyes. A four of fish and finger pies. Are those the real lyrics? Will we ever know? No. Well, this is the thing. Like, I, I get the impression that Penny Lane is a very uh I can't think of the word, but you know what I mean. Weird suburban suburban stuff. Stepford style. Yeah. So so I'm thinking Simon Pegg moves into Penny Lane. Right. Um and all this like He's a barber. <laughs> he Well is... no that the barber is mentioned yeah. Uh, and I quite like the line <laughs> showing photographs of every head he's had the pleasure to know. I'm liking all those photos of heads like moving. Yeah. Like occasionally like the eyes would shift around. They're not photos. Yeah. They're, they're not... cupboards with frames. Yes. With heads in. <laughs> um, um, okay, so he's not a barber. Or maybe he is a barber and he's like going to work for this barber. Hmm. Maybe, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, no. and um, so he's working for the barber, and he's, I mean, I, I think every, it's like the Shaun of the Dead bit, you know, where he's... Well, this thing, this this song is structured like a Shaun of the Dead, mm. because the last the last um, sort of uh, verse mm. is, in Penny Lane, the barber shaves another customer, we see the banker waiting for a trim, and then the fireman rushes in from the pouring rain. Mm. Very strange. Like it tries to, it combines everything together. Yeah. Um, so that is an Edgar Wright movie. Yeah. Um. <laughs> it's it's a horror film directed by Edgar Wright. Yeah. It, uh, uh, but it's kind of, mm. kind of, just World's End. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But a bit more kind of Lovecraftian, a little bit more sort of like odd behaviour. Um. Yeah, it's a cross between World's Ended and Hot Fuzz, really. Mm. It's it's a like the the more I thought about that song, the stranger it got. Yeah, it's kind of weird. 
And I, I love, right, I love how around Penny Lane also, there are, um, like, off Penny Lane, yeah. there are establishments that have Penny Lane written on them. Oh, really? It's so strange. I mean, Because they're just near it, yeah. Yeah, because they're just near Penny Lane. Yeah. Like, it was like a Penny Lane bank or whatever. Uh, I mean, <laughs> perfect name for a bank, yeah. Penny Lane. The, uh, the lane where you gain your pennies. Yeah. Uh, and... I, 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 the more I went there, and the more I sort of absorbed the atmosphere, because it's 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 a very unremarkable street. Yeah, there's not much there. There is like no, a no tiny Beatles the, museum yeah. thing there, but that's about it. Yeah, I think I, I think it's mainly a stopping point for tour buses. Okay, so it, it's it's off a of main street then. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's I don't, it's not even a main road. Yikes. It's that so be, strange. That would be hell of the traffic. Yeah. No. Well. Yeah. Well. Um. We because uh, James Corden did a carpool karaoke yeah. with and they signed the Penny Lane thing. So we're like, oh, right, let's go see that. Uh, there was a coach trip there when we got there. We had to wait about ten minutes to get to the really? Penny Lane sign to take a photo. And as we we're getting as we we're taking a photo of the Penny Lane sign, two more coach trips Pulled came. Up. Yeah. Fudge. Yeah. I mean, when, you, when you're waiting for one coach trip to, yeah. so long to come along at once, it's... It... <laughs> you were not waiting for a coach trip. No, I wasn't. That joke I wasn't. is inapplicable. I know, yeah, exactly. But, it, yeah, it was... Um, people were... Not only... There was, there was a couple that was taking photos there. They weren't taking photos. They were filming them yeah. stood by the Penny Lane sign with Spotify on playing Penny Lane <laughs> for a video as they posed for a photo. What? It was really strange. <laughs> Very strange. Uh, and Very strange. Maybe that's it. Maybe um, the, like, whatever's in control of Penny Lane thrives on chaos. Mm. And so, like, it, it planted the seed of this idea in uh, whoever wrote its um, brain. Um, mm. Like, trying to sort of push that in like the, so he'd put all that kind of um weird behavior in there so people would do it there but of course then as it got more popular people doing weird things just started being the norm the norm yeah it's set in modern day penny lane like as in like the tourist's destination yeah yeah and and how like the uh something is living underneath penny lane <laughs> That's the length of Penny Lane. Yeah, because it's like uh, beneath this uh, clear uh, suburban skies. That's when the meteor. That's where the meteor hit from. <laughs> and now it's just growing and growing out and yeah. absorbing other surrounding establishments. Yeah. That's why, like, oh yes, now I'm going to call my shop the Penny Lane Shop. <laughs> but you're not on Penny. You know, we're near Penny Lane. Well. I need to. I feel a calling. Yeah. <laughs> Just feels Penny right. Lane. <laughs> so, yeah, no, and, like, uh, yeah, I think we, we, at one point we cut to a young Paul McCartney. Uh, oh, right, I thought that was a young, oh, you cut back to young Paul, discovering a meteor. <laughs> yeah. Um, a shard of meteorite or something. And uh, the voice is like, you will become a star and you will sing about this street where I reside. I think I think it's eating tourists. No, there's there's a there's a sort of um, it's, it's like a singing like crystal, like mm -hmm. it's crashed and it's like. <laughs> so, so Paul McCartney's been like he's gone mad but, yeah which is why he's wearing no shoes in the Abbey Lane uh, cover because yeah. <laughs> he's just mad <laughs> and uh... or because once he was popular enough the, the, the alien took over yes it links in with the conspiracy theory that there Paul's dead yeah, yeah there was, there's an alien in his head yeah and Simon Pegg's in the film at some point. Like, Simon, Simon Pegg stumbles across it. Yeah, uh, he's, I think. he's an ex an ex paranormal investigator who uh, just who was 
jailed for breaking into a government facility <laughs> and has just got out and now just wants to be a barber, wants to leave it all, all behind. Yeah. Um, and uh, he was changed by what he saw in that government facility. <laughs> just yeah. sort of shrugging and saying that. Yeah, it, it's a franchise. It's a character bio. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, Penny Lane. Penny Lane, everyone. We talked about The Last Jedi for a lot. Yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah, again. Yeah, it's fine. It's in the news. Yeah, it's because it's, it's a, such an easily debatable topic. Yeah, it's fine. Because, like, some stuff you like is stuff I hate. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And it's so weird. That, that makes it a successful film. Yeah. You know, yeah, the fact that it like it's got appeal beyond just first mm. kind of glance. Yeah, well, no, not first glance. First beyond first, um, like, oh, it's targeted at this this group of people. Mm. It's clearly like it hits more than a couple of buttons. Yeah. Um. But I don't know. Not that you'd know. Yeah. By the declaration of fucking rebellion. <laughs> you know, oh, that's man. longer than the Declaration of Rebellion. <laughs> like the in canon one. The one that was about people actually stealing, kidnapping people and murdering. Mm. There was they had they had less to say. <laughs> they had less to say about an intergalactic war <laughs> than than people's opinions on the fucking last Jedi. <sighs> There's a bit in. Um... Well, I mean, clearly the person who wrote the Declaration of Rebellion for for the for the actual rebellion, you know, the actual rebellion, yeah, had an editor, mm. rather than just putting whatever fuck they said they thought on the. Ooh, yep. yes, me, my dander rise up, Tom. Uh, have you ever seen Spaced? Yeah. There's a there's a bit in it where I think it might be the second series where Simon Pegg's character is annoyed about the Phantom Menace. Okay. And I'm just like, oh man, imagine if they made it now. Yeah. The fact that the fact that I've forgotten every other film that came out in December. No one no one is debating on whether Thor Ragnarok was good or not. No, it's fucking wild. Yeah, no, no one's harassing anyone on the internet over fucking Thor Ragnarok. Actually, no, they did for a bit. Mm. I think. Uh because it's a fucking nightmare of a world we live in where people get harassed for being in a film yeah who was it this time uh, what for Thor, for Thor uh, I'm guessing Valkyrie yeah yeah you think so oh she is ambiguously sexual yeah agenda <laughs> agenda she looks at a woman once <laughs> That woman looked at another woman. What? I'm just done with sexual tension. Yeah. I'm done with it. Don't need it anymore. Don't you? No. Why don't you just... <laughs> just done with it. <laughs> so, it's all right. In a film, like, in the, like, I've written a film and there's some sexual tension in it. How would you make a change? Uh, get rid of it. Just get. How would you get rid of it? All right, okay, so... Um, make sure that the characters never look at each other. <laughs> that would just make it worse. No, 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 no. The characters never look at each other, ever. Okay. Like, they only stare straight ahead when... Uh, <laughs> when performing lines to each other. Okay. Or o over each other's heads. <laughs> yeah, never look at each other. Okay. Any other steps? Like, you, are you, are you, I'm not. I'm not taking any of this kind of feathering. You know, yeah. like, oh, I'll look at you for a second and look away. No, mm. no, they just don't look at each other. At no point will the characters meet eyes. They don't make eye contact. Yeah. No. Uh, what else? Um, if they are in a, if they're going to be in a romantic relationship, mm -hmm. they immediately start having sex. <laughs> That's what I wanted to hear. <laughs> <laughs> So what What you want to do with my films is make porn. I didn't say it was going to be explicit. <laughs> Just like, do you want to have sex? Yes. Let's go. Two hours later. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was good. Let's continue. 
<laughs> Let's continue saving the world. <laughs> so, so every time they ask, do you want to have sex? Is that... No, I'd say yes or no, yeah. depending on whether the, the, the character is interested or not. And then they'll go forward from there. If someone says, would you like to have sex? And then someone says, no, I would not. And they go, okay, let's they continue just, to save the world. They just keep on going? Yeah. Okay. Hello, just want to say thank you for listening to the Lives of Pitch deleted scenes. We hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, maybe consider sharing it with your friends on social media, by word of mouth, anywhere really. Maybe put it onto a, a thumb drive and just throw it at someone. And maybe even reviewing it on wherever you got it. If you find it somewhere on iTunes or Acast or wherever, maybe review it there. Five stars, thumbs up, give everyone the heads up. Like I said before, thank you. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Bye.